This is Circulating Ideas, episode number 215. My name is Steve Thomas, and my guest today is William Ottens. He is the author of Librarian Tales, Funny, Strange, and Inspiring Dispatches from the Stacks. Circulating Ideas is brought to you with support from listeners just like you. Find out how you can help support the show by going to circulatingideas.com slash support. William Ottens, welcome to Circulating Ideas. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. What is your librarian origin story? How did you get into the field in the first place? So I actually went to school intending to become a teacher. And in my second year in the education program, I decided I didn't want to be a teacher anymore. It was the time when the No Child Left Behind Act was out. And I just got a little disillusioned by the program at the school I was at. And at that point, I decided I did eventually want to be a librarian. I graduated from school, my undergrad, and started working at a high school anyway as a paraeducator. And I was working three jobs in addition to that one and figured I could spend the rest of my life working three jobs, being exhausted and paying off my student loans, or I could go and get my master's and then try to get a library job because I convinced myself I wasn't going to be able to get a library job without that master's, which isn't always the case. So I was going uh, through the School of Library and Information Management at Emporia State University, and it was my second semester, and I had to do a reference observation and write a paper on that, and I decided to do that at the Lawrence Public Library. And it just so happened to be that the coordinator of the Department of Adult Services was at the reference desk when I came and did my observation. So I got to know her a little bit. I did my observation, wrote my paper. And then afterward, I noticed there was an opening in her department. (laughs) So I wrote her a nice thank you note. And then at the end, I said, by the way, I'm applying for your position. And I interviewed and got the job. And that's kind of where I started as a part-time reference assistant. Well, you made a good first impression, obviously. Yeah. She said that of all the people that did the observation through Emporia at Lawrence, I was one of the only ones who wrote a thank you note. So that really stood out to her. That's great. The stories in your book are familiar, I think, to a lot of people who work in libraries. So what led you to want to start the librarian problems Tumblr, and then later you expanded to Twitter and Facebook as Tumblr went off into the sunset? (laughs) Yeah. So working at the desk, there were a few situations, and I started the book with one of them where I just figured out the library is not just this quiet, stress-free environment that funny things happen. You're working with the public and just these situations kept happening and I kept laughing and wanting to share. And I shared a few things through my personal Facebook and Twitter. My friends and family always liked it. So I heard of this thing called Tumblr. And so I signed up for Tumblr and modeled it after some of the other GIF reaction blogs that had gotten popular at the time. And I started pairing common library frustrations stereotypes, situations with the animated GIFs. And it just kind of, 
blew up within a couple of months. I got 2,000 followers really quickly, and then I was reaching 10,000, and then 30,000, and then I wanted to branch out, so I went over to Facebook and Twitter eventually. I'm on Instagram now, and people have just responded very well. They like a semi-anonymous space where they could relate to their frustrations and also laugh about stereotypes or silly things that they even do at the library or behind the desk or in the stacks. Your account and fake library statistics, everybody likes having some humor about the stuff that we understand every day. Do you get a lot of people suggesting things to you? Yeah, not as much because it's not as easy to submit ideas through Twitter. I still run the Tumblr and I get a few submissions through there of situations. But now it's mostly just me once a day or so coming up with the new librarian problem or uh, rehashing an old one with a new GIF, putting a new spin on it. Yeah. How often do you update the accounts? So I think Twitter more frequently, I try to do that at least once a day. Instagram is a little more complicated with the animated GIFs because you have to save it as a video and then upload it as a story and then save it as a video and all this stuff. And then I'm not on Facebook as much as I used to be. So that one's updated a little less frequently. Yeah. And sometimes you're at the mercy of the algorithm. (laughs) But as you point out in the book, it would be difficult to make a physical book of animated GIFs. So how did you go about wanting to adapt the material to a physical, I'm just going to say monograph, what a stupid library term, um, (laughs) book, and then figuring out how to present the material in a different way? So yeah, I think people who follow librarian problems might be a little disappointed that not as much humor is in the book as you get all the time from the blog. But like I said, it's just really hard to take that JIP, very compact micro blogging experience and expand it to a book. The editor from Skyhorse Publishing reached out and she wanted me at first to write an inspirational book for librarians because she had seen some of my tweets through librarian problems. And I just struggled a little bit there at the beginning. Like, how am I going to do this? Pulling from what she knew from librarian problems, spin it as inspirational rather than humor. So I tried to do a really good mix there. I focused a lot on my personal library journey, but then pulled some stories and snippets from comments and stories that were shared with me through the platforms. I think you did a really good job. It feels like you're just being told stories. (laughs) So I think that comes off really well. Thank you. Like I said, a lot of it draws from my personal library experience, starting from when I became interested in librarianship. And then I break it down into the different departments that I had experience working in from circulation, reference, youth services and collection services. And then I spent on uh, my brief career as a director of a small library in Iowa. (laughs) How did you feel about your library school experience at, at the time? And then how, how do you kind of look back at it now? What really helped me really dig into it was actually getting that first library job in the second semester. So I was pairing all the theoretical stuff with the practical hands-on experience and seeing, okay, this is why we organize things instead of just reading about it behind a computer screen or behind a book and not really working a reference desk and 
directing patrons to where things are on the shelves. So that's what I really appreciated about my own experience was also being able to pair it with that library job. And that's what I encourage people if they don't have a library job, find some way to get in the library if they can. I know schedules are tight and people are already working full time. They're wanting to switch a career. It's tough. I was lucky to get that job and get in there and be able to do that. So it was a two-year program. Most of it was online, aside from uh, once or twice a month weekend intensives. You go all Friday night and then all day Saturday to do your presentations and class discussions. And like I said in the book, it just went very quickly. I I started it thinking, oh, two years is going to feel like forever. And then you get to the end of that two years and it feels like you've watched a five-minute YouTube video on the basics of librarianship. (laughs) Things that I got from library school that are very helpful to me still today, like just knowing cataloging kind of in the back of my head, knowing how a record is set up, that helps me know how to search and all this kind of stuff. So you mentioned that you were briefly a director of a small library. How did that work out for you? So it was after I'd worked at Lawrence for three years and my partner's family was in Iowa and we wanted to move up there to be closer to them. So I had uh, looked at openings and there was Oskaloosa, Iowa, 11,000 residents in the town. And honestly, going into the interview, I didn't think I was going to get it because I only had three years of library work behind me only one of which I had my master's. But I went in there, proved my passion for libraries and the vision that I had for this little library. And then I stepped in and then I was terrified. First staff meeting with 12 staff and I just didn't have that kind of experience yet. But I think stepping into it forced me to kind of realize, hey, I'm here for a reason. These people are here for a reason. And I also realized that most of them I've been working at that library longer than I've been alive. So I wasn't really there to kind of tell them what to do, but to uh, lead them and think of new directions and new ideas for the library. So how long did you do that position? So just for about three years, I'd started in 2012. And then in 2015, my partner got a job back in Lawrence. So we moved back to Lawrence. I tried to get back on at Lawrence Public Library where I'd started. And that was really tough because few positions or a lot of applicants for uh, those few positions. And just because I had worked there, just because some of the managers knew me, didn't mean that I was a shoe-in for the, the jobs that, you know, I were, was applying for. So that was kind of a, a humbling experience coming from a directorship where I thought I was pretty successful and then trying to get a job where I had come from and kept getting told, no, you're not the quite right fit for these positions. And then eventually I got in, I kept <laughs> trying, kept trying because I didn't want to commute and we were going to plan to live back in Lawrence. And I got on as a member of the book squad or the reader services department and really enjoyed that, being able to blog and talk about books and recommend them. And then eventually the cataloging and collection development coordinator position opened and I stepped into that role. And that's what you're still in today. Is that correct? No. So my partner got a job in Kansas City. So I was commuting from Lawrence uh, about 45 minutes both ways, and the commute just kept wearing down on me uh, and my vehicle, too. I noticed that my windshield started to crack, so I went and got it replaced. And then exactly a week later, a rock 
on the interstate, shipped my windshield. It was very frustrating. And I took it as a sign that I needed to stop commuting and try to get a job in the Kansas City area. So now I'm a youth services associate with the Mid-Continent Public Library, which serve these suburbs and smaller communities that, that surround the, the Kansas City uh, metro area. My position focuses on programming and outreach for teens, which is almost completely different than what I've been doing the last five years and even directorship and reference. So yeah. it's been an adventure. Yeah, you, you've had a wide range of experience and not that long of a career for that many different roles. Yeah, yeah. Even in my undergrad, I had a wide range of topics that I was majoring in. I did English writing, literature, and mathematics. And then I went into library school, again, intentionally wanting to become a school librarian. But I didn't realize because I didn't have a teaching certificate to attach that master's to, I couldn't really do that. And there was some roundabout way that I could do it, but it was just going to take too much to get there. So I was like, okay. I'll just take a little bit of everything and see when I'm done with this master's where I could land. And I landed in reference. Then I was a director. And then I was reader services and cataloging collection development. And I hadn't done a lot of youth services work aside from helping my youth librarian at Oskaloosa. And when I was at Oskaloosa, doing that team programming and planning those events was part of the job that I really enjoyed. So I thought, hey, you know, this position at Midcontinent looks really nice. Let me give that a try. Stereotypes of librarians are abundant. Which ones drive you up the wall the most? <laughs> and which ones do you think are just the most amusing? Well, people still generally have this idea that the library is a quiet space. So when they come in and they're surprised that the librarians aren't whispering and shushing everyone, or there's children enjoying their time in the library and they get frustrated because they're being noisy. That's a little frustrating. The ones that I embrace, I love cardigans. They're very versatile for your fluctuating temperatures in your building. <laughs> so I love to layer on with a cardigan and then be able to take it off. Those sensible shoes, you always hear about librarians making sure they have sensible shoes that are comfortable for walking around in the stacks. So I love those canvas shoes, bands or chucks. But they're not very comfortable, I've discovered. <laughs> I found some shoes on Zappos that actually were nice. And I went and I bought three pair because I was like, yes, <laughs> found a comfortable pair that I can walk around all day. In. So a lot of the funny bits of the book and the Tumblr and Twitter and Facebook and everything come from the problems. But in the last section of the book, you also talk about the joys of librarianship. What are the things that you love about the job that kind of keep you in the field and happy? Right now, the situations that really make me appreciate what I, I do and the services and resources that are provided by the library is just helping people on the computers. They get so frustrated easily sometimes that they don't know a lot about computers or they didn't grow up on computers. And just being able to walk them through something and help them feel confident in the use of the computer and walk away knowing, hey, I did that. That brings a lot of joy, not only to me, but I think them as they walk away, almost transformed their opinions about computers or their own skills or abilities. 
that to me is a great experience. And I also love that for some people, the library becomes that, I think, is it the third space? Is that the term where they may not necessarily feel comfortable or safe at home? But there were a few teens that I worked with at Oskaloosa that came to the library often because they just didn't feel at home at home. And the library was a safe space for them. So I really appreciate that libraries can offer that too. That's great. So what do you feel is the overall appeal of librarian problems? Why do you think that in particular connects with people and is so popular? Just the fact that people know they're not alone and some of the frustrating or silly moments that happen at the library, because one patron can ruin your day, whether it was an argument over a, a fine or a argument over the use of the phone at the reference desk or whatever, and they get really mean and it could ruin your day if you had otherwise a really good day, that kind of blocks it all out. People turn to their social media these days to kind of doom scroll and find an escape. And sometimes you just keep smiling down. But if you run into librarian problems or fake library stats and some of the other anonymous blogs on there that aim to make you laugh a little bit about your situation to relieve some of that stress, to take yourself not necessarily completely out of it, but know that somebody else was there and maybe know what you're going through. And I think that's what the appeal of the Tumblr was 10 years ago and the Facebook page and then Twitter now. Yeah, we're all in this together. <laughs> yeah. And I ended the book because I had the chance to write a little bit about my library's experience closing for the pandemic and realizing we may be in our particular community alone trying to make the best decisions, but we can reach out to other people, other libraries that are dealing with the exact same thing. How are you doing this? What resources are you using? What information are you using to make your decisions? And that helped a lot. And I like that it's not just, there are certainly anonymous accounts out there that are just for venting, but the, the accounts that I like are more like yours where they're you're making fun, but it's with a wink and you don't actually hate your patrons. <laughs> Whereas yeah. some people, it feels like they actually do. And it's like, well, why are you in this job? <laughs> right. And if you look at some of my posts, it, you can get that sense too. And I think you might get that sense that I, I don't like my job. But I think mixing it with parts where I even laugh at myself or I laugh at my situations that I've done or my stereotypes that I embrace helps Get the point across that I love my job, but I also love laughing about my job and not taking it as seriously as you could. I have to say the one stereotype that I don't have is I do not own a cardigan. And I don't think I've ever owned a cardigan <laughs> and I am ashamed of it. <laughs> no shame. No shame. I at one point maybe had 15 and then I've kind of narrowed it down. I was like, okay, I've gain too much weight and I can't wear this one anymore or it's just worn out. <laughs> so I don't buy them as often as I used to anyway. But one librarian, I think it was when I did the keynote for the South Dakota Library Association and I pulled the audience on the number of cardigans they had. And I think the queen of cardigans in South Dakota had nearly 40. 
and <laughs> she was a children's library and she had different decorated ones for different seasons. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I don't understand why I don't exactly, because I know when I was younger, like college age, I always liked to do the thing of T-shirt and then another shirt on top of it. So it's sort of the cardigan yeah. thing. I was getting the feeling there, but <laughs> not quite there. And I'm always hot, honestly, so I don't need to wear anything else. <laughs> well, William, thank you so much for coming on the show. Your book is Librarian Tales, Funny, Strange, and Inspiring Dispatches from the Stacks. That's Skyhorse Press and ALA Editions. If listeners want to know more about you or follow up on anything or continue this conversation, how could they get in touch with you? Yeah, I continue to run my Librarian Problems website on Tumblr, librarianproblems.com. You can follow me on Twitter, personally, William Ottens. You can also find Librarian Problems on Twitter. My DMs are open. You can send me a situation through either Librarian Problems or my personal one. Or if you just want to vent, I'm here, I'm listening, I can commiserate with you. <laughs> and you might be able to help put a funny twist on it. Yeah, I'll throw a jit back, yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, William. Thank you. Circulating Ideas is produced in the suburbs of Atlanta. Views expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of my place of work or the place of work of guests. For past interviews, visit circulatingideas.com. And follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or your podcast app of choice. And help others find the show by leaving a rating or a review. To learn more about this episode's guest, sign up for the Circulating Ideas newsletter. You can find the link in the show notes or on site. Theme music is by Pamela Klicka, and the logo is by Shandy Fry. Thanks for listening, and keep circulating your ideas. That's not confusing at all. No. <laughs> <laughs>